spiked my hair up kind of in a faux hawk so the roots were coming through and it was so sick and uh i had it was the uh the vice i guess headmaster assistant headmaster she was running our, our gym and she's like man can you stay after class and I'm, I'm like sure so i i don't know what i did i mean i'm competitive in gym class but i mean i did and she's like that this hair thing has to has to be different tomorrow and i the intersection of good drinks, good music, and good times. This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Whiskey Weeks 2022 is rolling on. I can't believe we're past the halfway mark of September. It's been a fun one so far. Smith and Wesley to kick it all off. Ian Munstick last week. Manny Blue this week. And we close out Whiskey Weeks 2022 here on Bar Conversations with the boys Sutherland. It's a lot of fun. I can't wait to share all of this with you. Don't forget to check out any of our past episodes. Go to hopspirits.com or find us on your uh, favorite podcast player. Subscribe, like us. Give us a five-star review. We appreciate it as it all. And coming up here, before we get to Manny Blue, we talk Whiskey 101 with Chad Watson. And this time we talk about craft distillers and why you should not overlook them. Let's get to the show. Did you know Hops and Spirits is more than just this podcast? Check out hopspirits.com for our latest episode release, past episodes, interviews with interesting folks in the alcohol industry, and so much more. Just go to hopspirits.com. Feel free to wait until this podcast is done. Welcome back to another Tasty Notes, and we're in the midst of Whiskey 101 with Chad Watson, a.k.a. My Daily Bourbon on Instagram. He's part of the Bourbon Life crew. Chad, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. I figured this time I'd mention the Bourbon Life crew. That's your side, one of your side hustles the, the, that you're always working on. Do, do you ever take a day off? doesn't feel like it (laughs) and i'm not complaining it uh i mean i i do work a fair share of hours a week um i do you know my side reviews and you know i i've pretty much i've let one of my side gigs fall to the wayside just because i didn't have time to sit down and type out articles left and right but um yeah it 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 just goes it I enjoy it though. I mean, it's fun. If I'm going to be doing anything, I don't want to just be sitting at home to sit at home. At least I can be trying new bourbons from a new distillery or, you know, writing a review up for, you know, for the bourbon life and, you know, just go, you know, seeing where it goes. Well, I was going to say, I mean, is it, is it really work if you're talking about bourbon or drinking bourbon? <laughs> no, and it, it's not. And, it, and what's fun is it's one of those things to where I can just say, you know what? I don't feel like it today. And then I don't have to. Uh, I like it. I like it. But you do have to. Versus my real job. (laughs) But you do have to right now talk to us a little bit about craft distillers because there is a difference between what some might know as the big boys Mm -hmm. and then the craft guys. In Kentucky, I know it's kind of a weird weird thing on the cutoff line because they have a cutoff line on the bourbon trail of Mm -hmm. I think about 10,000 barrels a year or something like that, which if you really think about it, it's still a lot. Although not, as, yeah. not as much as the big boys, I mean, but but the craft distillers. What is that? What are we talking about? And what should we be looking for? I mean, so when it comes to craft, I mean, anyone who pretty much that is not a big boy, I mean, because there are limitations to being on the regular bourbon trail, which is, you know, how much you produce. You know, you have to produce a certain amount. And, I mean, there's a fee. It's like a quarter million dollars a year to, to be on that uh so i mean most of your craft distilleries 
one, aren't making a quarter million dollars extra a year they can just throw throw at the um, the bourbon trail. And two, they're they're not producing enough barrels to, to hit that requirement. But uh, craft is one of those things to where it, it goes either way. A lot of people say there's too many craft brands out right now, and a lot of people like me love to see. Yeah, I work in, in liquor retail, and every time I get four new, every week, you know, I get four new bourbons or whiskeys I can cut in. So I'm like, well, I got to move this shelf down so I can make space for this item, so I can make space for that item. That does get redundant. But 20 years from now, you know, there may not be a Heaven Hill, but we, we don't know. I mean, there, but there might be, you know, Mom and Pop's Whiskey who starts tomorrow out of, out of their garage and grows it into a, a big thing because this, their style of whiskey was more popular. And we're seeing more and more of that. I mean, we're seeing, I mean, we've, we've seen Jackie Zykin leave Old Forester and join up with the Neelys to do Hidden Barn. And, I mean, and, I mean that's craft. They are a craft brand, and that's that's a big leap. I mean, to go from one of the big juggernauts in American Whiskey with Brown Foreman to, to, to going the craft route, I'm sure it's pretty scary on her end, but there is a future in craft whiskey. There may not be a future with one particular craft brand, but... I mean, that's like Dave Pickerel going around and consulting to help get all these craft brands going. I mean, that's Whistlepig. Whistlepig was a Dave Pickerel. Um, he worked on, with Willet and Blackend and all these other companies and distilleries to essentially get them going. And at that time, they were craft. I mean, if you were to look at Whistlepig now and say, hey, you know, they were a craft distillery at one point, you'd be like, nah, no, they're not. <laughs> but because everyone knows them, everyone knows Whistlepig. But you've got so many craft brands around. I mean, there there are distilleries that people ask me about, and they're like, hey, do you have so-and-so's whiskey? No. Oh, well, they distilled down in the holler in eastern Kentucky, and I've been trying to find their stuff anywhere outside the gift shop. Well, I'm like, I've never heard of them. But if they have a distributor, you know, or give me some, if you have any contact information, I'll see if they have a distributor, and we'll try and carry them. It's, it's just one of those weird things. I mean, there's just so many varieties out there. I think people try one bad craft distillery, and then they write them all off. Um, like, I'm, I'm going to throw a name out there of Jeff's Creed. A lot of people were like, okay, I did not like their two-year. I won't like their four-year, and I won't try anything else. Their four-year is really damn good with that malted rye. I was a big, I'm a big fan of that. And I, I would say probably 99% of the, the places I like going, if I'm going to go to a distillery, you're going to be craft. Uh, it's a little more intimate. Uh, they'll they'll tell you the secrets. They'll let you kind of hang out, and you you have a better time. So like bluegrass distillers, I talk about them. I'll preach preach about them all the time. For the last few years, I've been a huge fan of them. Ever since the first time I went, the first bottle I tasted. Yeah, it's young, but I mean, I'm not going into a younger whiskey with craft, and that's one thing people can't do. You can't go into a craft whiskey expecting to have something that's got 200 years of history behind it. It's just not there. They may have. 10 years of experience combined, you know, between the people who were in there. And that's one of those things to, that you have to kind of take into account, um, which this will be part of my next round. But another one is like Balcones and, or Balcones. Uh, I, I can never say it right. I always say Balcones. Balcones. Down, down, down in Texas. Yeah, down in Texas. Um, you know, Texas is still in that craft, like almost everything in Texas is is craft. And um, people will talk about, uh, you know, they don't like the the funk that it comes with it. 
well, there's a lot of stuff in Texas they're, they're doing to, to balance that. And there's a lot of stuff that our small distilleries are doing. Uh, I used to argue, and this, I mean, this is very idiotic of me to say that 53-gallon barrels are like, I mean, it's the standard. 53 gallons is your standard barrel. Um, I used to argue that no, no way on earth could anyone make a standard or a shelf ready product in anything other than a 53 gallon barrel. Just, you know, break it down to science. It's got the best da, 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 da. And boy, was I stupid because that's not true. I mean, there's so many brands out there who are doing 15 and 30 or 25 or hell, some are going in and doing like 60 or 70 gallon barrels just to help offset either angel share or, balance out the fact that they they aren't sure if their grains are right you know they they may not have distilled it correctly so they're they're learning and i think that's what's fun uh you'll you'll see big distilleries will take on the trend of craft so a craft distillery may come out and say hey we're going to do a 100 blue corn bourbon it's just it's blue corn and we're going to you know there's no malted barley no rye no wheat no nothing and we're going to age that for four years. And we're going to put that out. Well, then you'll then you'll see large brands come out. Hey, we've got a blue corn recipe bourbon, or we've got a a peated rye whiskey, or we have a chocolate malted bourbon. And it it just kind of amazes me how naive I was just a few years ago that craft distilleries weren't actually I, craft. To me, craft is what leads the forefront. They are who push innovation. I mean, I know that you go to your big brands and. They've got innovation teams, but those people are drawing uh, inspiration from somewhere else. And those are the the small one, two people operations or the 20 people operations who are working basically out of a closet in a garage to get their brand going because they're willing to risk it all to, to see if it works. And th- that's where I think people kind of lose it is, yeah, you may not like a craft whiskey. You can talk bad about it. You can... It may not be your profile, and they may love it, but they love it because of the hard work they put into it, which I think that a lot of people don't don't respect that idea of someone put time, effort, sweat, blood, and tears and, and invested money into that. Whether or not we like it or you like it and I like it or vice versa, um, lay down. Dog just came in here. <laughs> um, whether or not you know it's, it's for everyone, they're not trying to make it for everyone. They're trying to make it for a particular crowd. And I, I think that a lot of people come into craft whiskey, like I said a few minutes ago, is expecting, well, I love Buffalo Trace. Well, Buffalo Trace has a long lineage, long heritage, and a, and a long way of doing things. And they've always got millions and millions and millions of dollars to make their product solid, whereas these people may be running their distillery paycheck to paycheck just so they can finance their dream. And to me right now, I think craft whiskey is the future. I think that that's who's going to lead the next big wave of, uh, of whiskey. Well, and, and I think you said it within in the tangent. You, you said it yeah. in there. But, like, it's not like a big boy can just, uh, you know, I've talked to, like, Nicole Austin at, at, at uh, George Dickle. It's, it took her a ton of pushing to even get them to do something a little different. So it's not like, you know, you're talking to board of directors, you're talking to all these different interests. So they can't always do fun things that they might like to. Whereas those craft guys, it's them. Usually they're the distiller. They're the, they're the, they're the everything. And if they want to do something, they can. And that's like you said, they get to pull in a different, uh, you know, malt, a different, you know, type of corn, a different type of wheat, a different type of whatever, and try and get different flavors out of it. And it's really cool to see. And I think, too, that's what you got to watch is they're doing different things. You're, they're not doing the tried and true 
always done way. They're doing different things. So you might get different, um, you know, like you said, you might like it, you might not. Uh, but like you said, they are doing something different usually. Yeah. I mean, and if you look way back, you know, back your thirties, forties, fifties, when there was a, or even earlier than that, when there were tons of distilleries out there, uh, I mean, at one point in time, like the, the, you know, everyone loves Stitzel Weller now. Everyone chases it. That was a craft distillery uh, that no one liked. That was a craft distillery that no one liked. So, like, they, they were trying their best to sell their whiskey to whoever they could at that time because no one liked it. Well, look at us now. People love it. 30, you know, 20, 30 years later, people are in love with that whiskey. So, 20, 30 years from now, that mom and pop person who's trying to make their whiskey and sell it to whoever, that might be the next gold mine. So... Always got to give them a chance. You never know what you will like. And Chad, I appreciate the knowledge as always. And I can't wait to see what we wrap up Whiskey 101 with next week. Hell yeah. Check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hops Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at HopSpirits.com. Joining us here on the Bar Conversations for Whiskey Weeks 2022. He's a country artist, although it might be better country punk rocker, punk country. I, I don't know how, how it's best to describe him, but welcome in Manny Blue. What's going on, man? I must say I much prefer your background than my background right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So I was going to say, how you doing? I'm good, man. Yeah, country punk is kind of how I say it, but you can call it whatever whatever you want, really. <laughs> well, I like it, and we'll get into that in, in a little bit, exactly kind of what how your style meshes with everything. But I'll, this is called Bar Conversations. I went with a little bit, since it's Whiskey Weeks on, on the program, we're celebrating National Bourbon Heritage Month, a little George Remus, a little, you know, a little, little bootlegger action. You got anything good tonight? Uh, I'm drinking a Happy Dad. Ha-ha. <laughs> Great. I so like it. If you're, if you're if you're drinking a whiskey, I, I'll like pull myself on right quick. All right, go for it. That will not make me upset at all. That's what we're here for. My future father-in-law was in town uh, not too long ago and got me this Chattanooga whiskey. Oh, I like that. So. I was uh, drinking that with well, I I had it on the show with uh, Smith and Wesley since that's you know where they're from. Oh. Um, I love Chattanooga whiskey. Uh, the Cask One Eleven is my favorite. That is on my shelf all the time. <laughs> yes. So I hope you enjoy it. But <laughs> is whiskey kind of your go-to drink, or do you kind of mix and match? I mix and match. Um, it's been beer for a long time. Just kind of like the go-to at the bar, or whatever always enjoy a good scotch or whiskey um but i got i got so blacked out at my uh bachelor party and i wasn't drinking beer i was actually drinking the happy dads which is the, fun, the funniest story the part of it. Like, <laughs> it was so many we're playing drinking games and stuff and i blacked out for about three hours and tried to have dinner and didn't work out so that whole week i didn't drink you know the week following that and I haven't, I haven't been, I haven't been drinking beer the same for whatever reason. So it's, it's very interesting, but it wasn't even beer that got me, but I think it was the two, the two months of 
binge drinking on tour that might have that did that for me though. So <laughs> well, I was gonna say if you want to get you know I, I had my my bachelor party uh, a while ago. I'm celebrating ten years mm. married married this month and um, but we had down in Charlotte and um, it was kind of staggered because all my buddies kept coming in at different times. Mm. So I swear they all were like, "We got to get you shots. Got to get you shots." Everybody wants to do I, shots with you, and you're the you're the only one there the whole time. <laughs> exactly and i'm like this is not gonna go well i remember midnight i don't remember much after that right i remember puking i remember apparently the whole group being in the middle surrounding me so we could walk across the street to the hotel so it happens to the best of us yeah yeah for sure <laughs> now now before you you got into country music you were an mma fighter yes training yeah One- so, so what happened yeah, first amateur fight. So I was training for about four years. Um, my manager or my my trainer, I guess, he was feeling both, I guess. Um, had said from the beginning, he goes, "There's this kind of the six month curse, six yeah, six month curse where within six months of learning, and I was coming from zero background, just athleticism, having played hockey, soccer, um, and I was a kicker in football." Um, I didn't have any martial arts or, or wrestling background. So he goes, there's like a six month curse where after six months, people think they're like invincible and they can do this. And, and it, it legitimately takes two years before you can know enough to handle yourself in a sparring uh, session. So I didn't spar for two years. I didn't fight till four. Um, and it was just about really being ready and doing all of the sort of groundwork to lead up to sparring and honestly not being um not going in and getting my ass whooped to the point where you know it's it's demoralizing or um i'm i'm reacting weird and i'm injuring you know sparring partners for stupidity so it was really getting the mechanics of fighting and and sparring down so that was two there that was uh two years fought after four did an amateur fight and tried to throw a knee i think if i remember correctly Tried to throw a knee and, and he blocked his elbow and tore my quad. Um, so I won the fight, uh, <laughs> thankfully. Um, so it was easier to kind of go, you know what? During the time I was resting, I, I picked up guitar and people enjoyed hearing me play and sing. And um, it was it hurts a lot less than getting punched in the face. So um, kind of made that switch pretty quick. You know, when people <laughs> are like, you can actually do this if you really wanted to. And it's like, dude, I put four years into MMA. I mean, it's going to be another kind of slow, slow burn, but I mean, it's probably something that um, is worth trying. And um, I've been super fortunate with a lot of opportunities and connections that I've made along the way. And um, here we are. Well, I was going to say, it seems like you like a good challenge, like coming over, overcoming obstacles. I mean, injuries from MMA, I'm sure hockey, I'm sure you, you got busted up a few times yeah. there, uh, different things like that. I mean, even I know, you know, you did with dyslexia growing up. I mean, so pretty much it seems like it put a challenge in front of you and you, you're ready to take it over, right? That's the thing. I mean, I think honestly, dyslexia was the biggest thing, the biggest hurdle that I've ever had to cross um, and just trying to participate in a classroom. And, you know, not being confident in my reading ability when when you're called upon to read in class or, or whatever it is. So I just remembered a lot of shit. I just learned things, you know, and remembered a lot of it. So I didn't have to read or, or have to do as much reading because I would listen. I would really focus and listen to the teacher so I can recall a lot more things than, 
having to go back or reread something or, or whatever it is. So um, I would take bullet point notes that helped a lot. And that's kind of a thing that's always been, you know, um, with me the whole time, you know, growing up. So it's kind of like it's one thing after another. And but but uh, I think it, it builds character and makes you stronger if you want to see it that way. Right, absolutely. And it gives you those real lived life experiences when you want to, you know, share some things through, through song. And, you know, I also think you like to share things on, on social media, you sharing your adventures, having fun. What's it like to share that side of your life and let it out there for everyone to see? It's crazy. Um, it is crazy. It took me a sec to get used to it because I've always been pretty private and personal. And, you know, growing up, our family's always been like, you know, you don't have to share everything you don't have to you know you can enjoy experiences and things that you get to do or whatever it is you're doing you know while you know and there's a lot of things too like people on vacation and it's like you know would hate to be at work today and then there's people at work that are like well fuck you know fuck you kind of sorry um so it was always it's okay we drink (laughs) it's like never never be like that so when i moved into being an artist where they're like we want to see everything you're doing all the time it was like how do you break kind of a something that has been so instilled in me to not do? And now it's part of the criteria of being an artist and um, it's just something you got to do. And so I think now I've, I've found, I follow a lot of people on socials that I think they're cool. I enjoy what they're, they're doing. I'm, you know, there's one dude and he's like over the top, but he's fascinating is, is, um, Franz, uh, Chris Franz, Franz neck, I think he's uh, the singer for Attila. He's, he's a wild man. He's all tatted up. He's cool to watch his adventures and stuff. He's a metal singer. Um, so it's cool. And obviously not, not going to that degree. And obviously he's, he's been very successful in, in, in different business ventures and, and gets to do a lot of cool things too. But, um, it's kind of just like make the Instagram interesting, you know, make TikTok something that is cool that people want to see that isn't in it. And it's never about, I think the main thing conversations we've always had was make it interesting enough to show off the music and show off a little bit of personality as well. Cause that's what I like in, in certain artists is, is cool. You got a cool look, a cool vibe. I might not always like the music or whatever it is. And so, or I'll get into the music because the artist or the front man is, 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 you know, kind of got a personality. So it was making all of those things hit without being un- un- inauthentic, you know? So it, it's, it's, it took a lot of trial and error, but it was about trying to bring who I am naturally into a space that we have to participate in. And that wasn't easy, but we've, we've I guess, figured it out uh, to some degree, at least. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I mean, in a sense, it's what you've done with your music. I mean, you could have been pigeonholed into something or been forced to do something, but you've kind of made it your own and given it your spin on it all. I mean, I think I've always done that. I think I've always, you know, when everyone went left, I I wanted to go right. Or, you know, it's always been kind of that. And, you know, I've always had, it's always been a slight rebelliousness, I think. And I think I know where the line is and I usually try to walk, walk it, not cross it. I, you know, I think there's no reason to ever be an asshole. There's, ever, there's no reason to ever be rude or, or anything like that. But at the same time, like, I like being different. I like being outside the box. I think that's partially why I love tattoos. I think that's, you know, um, it's crazy to be, you know, growing up in a world where nobody's a musician and you, you decide to do it. And then within that world, you know, go as, you know, as far left as, you know, 
uh, as everybody else is, is in the genre. So I think it's just like, it's a constant, just being myself and it's fun to push boundaries a little bit, you know, respectfully, of course, but, um, it, it just is, I mean, I've never been cookie cutter and, and I don't ever want to be. And so I think we found a, found a way to make music that is like that in the genre that I love, you know, regardless of me and, and people go, well, have you ever heard this artist? Because, well, they're not, they don't really do what you do. And it's like, just cause I, it's not what I'm doing doesn't mean I don't listen to, you know, various other things. Um, so yeah, but it's not, you know, when I go on, I want to make music that is fun to go out on stage with my buddies and, and play and people get the vibe and, you know, it creates a bit of uh, an energy. Well, I, I was going to say, I think you said it perfectly. And I think your mom even said, you're a rule bender, not a breaker, a rule bender. <laughs> right. Exactly. Bend it right. So, still, you know, I mean, I was in high school and, you know, luckily I was fortunate enough to go to uh, a private high school and we had uniforms and stuff. And um, I never broke rules. I never did anything, but I would like bleach my hair. And they're like, well, you can't do that. And I'm like, okay well now what are we gonna do it's this bleach <laughs> and so they kind of just because i was always uh polite and nice to everybody I, they kind of let me do it until one day it was like growing through and i had gym uh first period and spiked my hair up kind of in a full hawk so the roots were coming through and it was so sick and uh i had it was the uh the vice i guess headmaster assistant headmaster she was running our, our gym and she's like Manny, can you stay after class? And I'm, I'm like, sure. So I, I don't know what I did. I mean, I'm competitive in gym class, but I mean, I didn't. <laughs> and she's like, that this hair thing has to has to be different tomorrow. And I was like, it's so cool. She goes, no, I mean, you can't you can't walk around like that. And I was like, oh, <laughs> all right. So I I just shaved it all off and went busk up for a while. But uh, yeah, so it's just like I never fought it. I just tried to push it until they tell me no. And then it's like, cool, we'll do something else, I guess, you know, so. you know, just pivot to the next thing, figure out something else to have a little bit of fun with. And I said, and, and tattoos and they were like, ah, and it's like, I can't take them off. So <laughs> well, just, just keep, 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 keep covering them up. Longer sleeves, longer sleeves. That's right. G- gloves at the end. <laughs> <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> Now, now you mentioned, you know, the transition into to music was kind of after that injury. I mean, did you ever think about playing guitar before then or singing? I mean, did were there other, any musical kind of push before all that? Yeah, I think my parents were always like recreationally music musical. Um, we always had a karaoke machine for in the house for as long as I've been around. My dad used to love singing Billy Joel and Harry Connick. Michael Bublé kind of stuff. And my mom sang too and Shania Twain and Cher. And so it was always like, <coughs> excuse me, it was always within the house. My mom grew up playing classical piano. So we always, we always had a piano and she would, you know, play with it a little bit, you know, um, from time to time. So it wasn't. And so just based on that, like my dad loves doing public speakings and things like that. So it was never a weird thing to be in front of people and sing or talk or whatever. So I think I had been doing it for a while. I like I've been singing karaoke with my parents for fun all the time. And so we had friends over, it was like, nobody wants to do it. Or we'd go to a party and it's like just karaoke and nobody wants to do it. And everybody's shy. And it's like, cool, I'll do it. So I always kind of had it and always felt like for not being a musician, like, a, or yeah, a pretty decent singer, you know, who wasn't a singer. And I thought if I maybe, you know, built upon that foundation, 
we can maybe have something really cool. Um, and so that's where it all kind of started. And then picking up the guitar was kind of like, well, if I can sing or if I want to sing, it'd be really cool to even sit down and pick up an acoustic and be able to accompany myself that way. And that's where it all kind of was supposed to be for fun. And and here we are. And it's still fun. Um, but, you know, it's a bit more of a business now. I was gonna say it's a job. You're 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 working. You're you're working, but it's it's a fun one. I, I'm sure. And you know, you mentioned you know growing up in a household that music was kind of around. What were your influences? Because I'm guessing you had some interesting ones. If you're country punk, yeah. Well, the country country <laughs> was never in the mix. Um, country <clears throat> country came in the mix when my buddies and I, like my brother and my buddies, were were coming over. Um, you know everybody went away to play hockey and then would come home during the summer and everybody would have different kinds of music they were listening to in the dressing room and would try to bring that along with them. And a lot of it was country. So country kind of was like what I felt was like, Oh, everyone's together. Party starts, boys are home, let's go. And I, you know, I, I started it by wanting to do, you know, if I was going to do music, I want to do music. All my buddies are going to love to drink to and party with. Um, and then as the passion grew and, and, you know, I developed and got more knowledgeable on it and started really finding my own voice and sound, that's kind of when country punk came in. You know, I was born in 94. So like mid 2000s, I was a teenager, you know, all of the sort of rebellious college party uh, movies with this little bit of nudity and you feel like you shouldn't be singing, but you do because the movie's on and all had pop punk uh soundtracks and we would go to hockey games and it'd be you know blink 182 be playing between whistles or whatever it is so when it had a resurgence it was kind of like i remember this i remember this from you know 2003 2004 2005 where i was 10 12 years old so i'm like let's go let's go back to to listen to those bangers and then you know, with the resurgence with MGK and he put one out first during COVID and it just was like a conversation of like, let's do that in country. Let's do that with country music, storytelling, country music, songwriting. So it's not so much emo as it is, you know, country music, storytelling with a little bit of pop punk energy in the, in the music. So that's kind of how it developed. And, and it's not like every song is going to be a super awesome pop punk song or you know there's going to be some that have a little more country influence in it and there's going to be some that have a little more rock and roll influence in it and the thing was i was just tired of being pigeonholed in one in one position of being like well if you do that now you're going outside of the world of country and it's like well wh- why does it have to be like that you know i think genres really only mattered when you had to buy cds when you had to buy cds and you wanted a metal album you know, you know, and and then they had some other stuff on there. You're like, well, I just spent what it was nineteen ninety nine on a CD that of half the songs are not even what I expected them to be. That starts making a difference with genres. Now that you can download your favorite songs from everyone's album, you can you can mix and match colors and you can mix and match sounds and feelings and stuff. So, um, you know, as long as the project itself is cohesive, I'm not saying let's go make you know one song of every. <laughs> You know, as long as the thing's cohesive, you can have different songs in one whole project that have different influences or lean a little bit more one way or the other way. So I feel like it's just country, you know, it's maybe country music for non-country fans or country music for fans that want a little edge and want a little bit of, you know, energy. So, you know, that's kind of what we've been doing. 
Well, I was gonna say. I mean, it's not like it's un- unheard of these days. I mean, I think of you know the big big name of like Jason Aldean with a lot of rock to Cole Wetzel and and others that are doing just different things. And I feel like that's just what you're doing. Country can be a, a wide breath of, of of different sounds. Well, and those were the influences coming to you know coming to this conclusion was really like. I didn't know about Jason Aldean and Brentley Gilbert and Eric Church and, and Cadillac Freetail moved to Nashville. And when I heard those guys, I was like, holy hell, there's a lot more in it. So it's fun to go. So there's a space for it. So let's go back to the old stuff. Let's go back to, to listen to all the Blink albums. You know, let's listen to all Tom Lowe and see what about this musically I really like. And then, you know, because all those guys have opened the doors, Coetzo being, the new, you know, one of the newer ones and Hardy as well. I mean, all those guys open the doors. So I get to kind of come in and, and, and add my own little flavor to this world of sort of alternative country. And, and I think that it's super cool. And I just I just called it country punk because I thought it sounded cool. And it kind of makes you question it. And, and at first now, you know, listening back to it, you kind of go that could be really cool or it could be complete shit. We not, we're not sure. And listen to a couple of songs and you, you know, anyone can make their own opinion for themselves. It might not be for them, but, um, we, I'm very bold and very upfront about what it is I want to do. And I was like, I don't want to call it country and then do whatever I want people to, that's not country. So let's make it, let's call it something that nobody can tell me is wrong and do what we want to do. So I think it's, I think it's awesome. And, um, you know, we've been fortunate to find find a lot of people that we can work with at this point in time um, that see the vision and understand it that can help us make it better. Well, and, and it's, an, it's an awesome sound, and I, I love your music. I got turned on to um, Old Money was the first one that I ever heard, and I've kind of gone down the rabbit hole since. But, you know, you mentioned, you know, kind of you grew up in Canada, playing all those sports was – how big of an impact did all that was that basically like you said how country became your thing it it was just because of of who you grew up around and what they listened to yeah i think so i mean you know i started playing guitar because of bb king and john mayer and i wanted to be a blues guy i was you know fifteen thousand steps behind being a blues guitar player but you know i really wanted to work at that but nobody at a party wants me to pick up a song pick up a guitar and start playing a 12 bar blues song so um or riffs or whatever so i mean you know everyone wanted to hear the luke home the newest luke Holmes song or um luke bryan or whatever it was so you know that kind of whatever was top 40 was kind of what i started learning the most on the guitar so that you know when someone goes hey someone's got can you go get the guitar you have in your room at many let's play something i can pull out some of these songs people can sing along to and it makes you feel cool it makes you feel like everybody's singing along to a song it doesn't matter whose it is or what it is it's just it's cool so when someone goes what kind of music do you sing you know i was kind of like country i guess so it kind of happened accidentally but i'm very happy to be in the space i think camaraderie and 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 community wise of country music is great and and i just get to to take that version of it and and do it a little bit different and kind of get to stand on a hill almost i wouldn't say by myself i'm not the only one doing it but i i'm i'm you know, not every alternative country all sounds the same, right? So it's like I think there's a slight difference between myself and, say, Coetzel or, or Aldine or Hardy. But, you know, ultimately, it's all rock and roll based country music. So I think that's super cool. 
Well, and you know, you you moved to Nashville, I think, you know, in the past four or five years. Is that yeah. right? In the twenty eighteen. So, I mean, how's that been? And you know, then obviously COVID happened. How how has that impacted everything for you as you've you know done your your career journey? Well, I mean, I think if you know, like you mentioned, you you listened to Old Money that was off a EP called New Ink, and that was very very Aldine Gilbert inspired. Um, it was the first, you know, we had put out more of a pop pop country um, EP, and and I have since taken it down because I don't want it to be representative of of what we're doing anymore. It's it's just not accurate, and I don't want it to. You know, if someone's going to dislike what I'm doing, it's going to be based off something I'm proud of, not something that is just sitting out in the world. So, so New Ink was kind of the first one that we got to do that. And kind of the beauty that COVID came at the time that it did was I got I started getting to develop country punk without knowing that's what I was doing. Um, it was during COVID where we kind of reevaluated and, and said, you know, this New Ink thing is we had a you know, recorded before COVID. So we put it out slightly on the decline, I guess the first one in 2021, but, or no, it was end of 2020. Yeah. So, you know, throughout that quarantine process, I was able to really take a step back, really understand what it is I want to do and redevelop, um, you know, and, and that's where devil comes in and, and has its sound. And I think that, I think that's the most wide range of things that I want to do. Um, as far as a whole project is would be devil. Um, and then we decided because we weren't touring, um, in, at the end of 2021 to put out an EP called country punk and really put a stamp on it. And, and that one's got a lot more of pop punk influences, um, on there and, and predominantly is, is significantly heavier, um, sounding as a project. But I think the two together would, would be really the, the description of, of my sound. And now we're taking all of the, what we did on those two projects and making it, you know, I think we just, with those two, scratch the surface. And I think now is a really fun time where we get to dive in and dig in and, and double down on that and, and make it all upgraded. Well, I was going to say, I, I, I love Devil with a lowercase i. Everything else is uppercase. I'm guessing there's a reason behind that. <laughs> Um, honestly, I want to call it something else. I want to, I want to call it dancing with the devil. Cause it's a line in might as well lead. And at the time there was another art, bigger artist out in California who was putting out a uh, documentary movie thing with an al- album called dancing with the devil. And I was like, that's not going to work. So just, we had all the imagery and everything already done. Uh, and if you watch the music video, uh, close enough for might as well lead, um, we have, it, it says dance with the devil or yeah, whatever with dance with the devil on the sign behind the two people walking. And then we kind of just changed the name cause it wasn't going to work around that time. So I just said, well, let's make it a little bit different and uh, <laughs> let's make it, let's make it like that. And actually somebody had pointed out, it almost looks like I, I, the devil. And you know, I wish that was the actual story. And I said, that's what I would go with, but I, it's uh, stronger than me to, to be honest and tell the truth. So um, it was really just because I thought I'd look cool at first. Just to make there you go. <laughs> I thought an all caps devil would be way too aggressive. So I figured put a lowercase I, it kind of softens it maybe a little bit and it's in pink. So 
<laughs> I was gonna say you can make whatever story you want now. No one would know. Oh, I did <laughs> it with that story. <laughs> <laughs> so next time someone asks you, you got your story ready to go. Yeah, I'm gonna you. <laughs> uh, but you know, like you, you put that one out. I, I love Circle Up. I think it's it's one of my favorite songs you, you you've put out from it. Country punk. You know, when you're putting out multiple EPs, I mean, obviously it's not a full length album, but there's still five six songs on on each. What's it like? And like you said, I know you, that's where you kind of developed your sound, but still to put out a lot of music and let people hear it and get feedback, it's got to kind of be good and a little scary at the same time. Man, it, it's it's cool. I love release day. You know, I think we we released um, something, whether it be a live version of anything um, on our either live and turned up or live and unplugged series on YouTube, or music video or music. We've put out something every six to eight weeks for twenty four months, um, leading up to the last song, the last single. My uh, put your whiskey where your mouth is. So. I mean, it's release day is fun to me for for anything. I think we've been super proud of the projects and we've been super proud of the songs. You know, Circle Up, I got my buddy on it. I've been wanting to have him on a song for a while. So Blaine Holcomb's on it and he's he crushed it. And it's just fun because he's really a 90s country boy and, and his music is significantly 90s country throwback, you know, modernized, obviously. But so to have him on a heavy song like that, that one's actually written by Hardy and we uh, um, so it, I, you know, if you listen to the, the words, there's a lot of them. Um, so that tracks, but <laughs> they get my buddy on there and have him do something, kind of bring him into my wheelhouse and have him on that song is, is super cool. It's super fun. It's what we open with almost every show. Um, cause it slaps and it, and it kind of sets the tone. Um, so it's just, you know, it's pride. It's, 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 you know, you're, you're proud of the work you did and you put it out to the world and, you hope for the best, but you know, if I wasn't proud of it, I wouldn't put it out. And you know, the only, we kind of walked it into thinking that was the only project of the year. So we kind of stretched it out and we started releasing train, which released train in April, had it walk all the way to August where the EP was coming out, but we put out four, four of the five songs were put out as singles leading up to it. And, um, I think when you, when you go on, when you download, <clears throat> sorry, when you, put out music on streaming platforms you need to put a focus track so the only focus like the focus track that the only song that wasn't a single was rusty things and i'm like cool well these all did all right like we were hoping for something you know to explode a little bit more and these all did all right but maybe rusty things was just kind of a feel good song i wanted to have on the on the uh on the project and you know, it did what it did. And I was like, oh man, okay, cool. So, you know, it, it, nothing to, to hang your head over. I mean, I think everything went, went really well on the release, hoping for, you know, maybe a home run or, or, or just something to, to grab more attention than it did until recently when Rusty things popped off on um, TikTok. And, you know, we went, all right, all right, let's, you know, this is crazy. And, and it's been, it's been taking, at this point in time has been taking a life of its own and giving us so many more opportunities because of what it did on, on, on the app. So, um, it's, it's crazy. So you put it out and you go, ah, you know, like day one, you know, first week you go, ah, you know, I wish I would have done better. Obviously you always do. And for it to have a second life and for people to still be talking about it and even more so now, and we're taking meetings and getting show opportunities around that, 
it's just crazy because it, it came out over a year ago. Um, so it's just been wild what the internet's been doing for it. And, um, you know, we're super proud and happy about it. Well, and then uh, and I think it was on Country Punk. I could be wrong, but 95. You want to talk about that that song? <laughs> I would love to talk about it. So the Country Punk EP really came about because of 95. That was basically the reason. During COVID, while we were sourcing songs for Devil, 95 came along uh, from a different band, and it was a one-off kind of send-over, and they wanted to revamp it, I think. And um, I said, I absolutely want this. I, I, I want this song. You know, my fiance and I had not been together for two years and, you know, reconnected in, in COVID. And that's a song that if you listen to the words, it basically is, I might as well have written it, you know, for our, our love story. And so when I heard it, I was like, this has to be mine. Um, and so, but it didn't fit the album. We were working with a producer and, and we were getting songs from his, from the publisher he's with. And, and that didn't fit that project. It didn't sonically it didn't fit. And then, and then also just for the way things work, it didn't fit either. So, um, we weren't touring and, you know, all the work was done other than doing interviews and social media, the, the devil was finished. And so we said, you know, we're just going to wait for things to happen or we can start working on something else. And I figured let's start working on another project and let's put 95, you know, base it around the concept of 95 and sonically what we want to do with that and make a whole project based around that feeling and that vibe. So we, we, you know, a lot of the songs are written by our friends and people around and my management um, got back into songwriting. So that was, you know, he knew me really well. He knows me really well. So he was able to kind of write songs for me for the first time. Um, and we were able to, you know, I co-produced it because I really wanted it to be something that is representative of this thing I've been talking about for eight months. So at the time, um, so yeah, so 95 is, is one of my favorite songs I've ever put out for the emotional, um, component that it has with me. And, the, and I have the font that we used for the artwork. I have that tattooed on my leg. So, um, yeah, that's a special song. I was gonna say, so it's gonna stick with you forever. <laughs> yeah, and the, the the bitch part of it all is the fact that it's the hardest song to sing live vocally, and it's like I want I always put it in. I'm like, yeah, we're doing it, and it's like an hour and a half set, and we're hitting 95. I think fourth or fifth song in, and I'm like, oh my god, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a day because I can totally, and that's based on emotion too. Is I'm just singing with so much emotion and I'm, it's not necessarily technical. And if it is, it's, it's, you know, right on the edge of my range. And so, uh, it's, it's just, everything has to stay perfect for that to be able to happen so that I don't bust my voice for the rest of the set. And, uh, um, but it, you know, it, it, it means so much to me and, and I think it's, it's an important song for me to, to keep playing. So regardless, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep it in the set and we'll keep practicing to make it better. <laughs> well now <clears throat> you got your latest single uh, i think it's a little different than 95 I, I'll, I'll put it that way it's it's fits perfectly it's one one of the reasons i was like he's on whiskey weeks this is just too good to to pass up your latest single is literally put your whiskey where your mouth is yes um how did that come about working with with the guys you did on the song i mean yeah. how much fun was it so we always pick five about six songs and work uh, you know, when we work on an EP, I like five song EPs. I think it's short, it's concise, it gets the vibe in. Whiskey was supposed to be on Devil. 
we worked on that with the same bunch of songs as Devil. And I just, I have been in my head about wanting to do a very specific sounding EP. And I think with Valet and Whiskey, I, you know, it kind of, you know, steers it away from what it is I wanted. So we didn't put it on Country Punk EP for that specific reason. And then we had, and the same with, with, with Playback, which we released a little bit before that, was supposed to be on Country Punky P. Um, and we decided to postpone that. So we ended up with two five-song EPs and then two extra songs and said, you know what, we're putting out Country Punky P, you know, on New Year's Eve. And then, because uh, I wanted it out in the same year as Devil, just and that's just my stubbornness. But um, we said we have two extra songs to kind of really work into the year. And we had a big tour in Canada. And so... Let's put one out before that, and then let's put one out right on the tail end of that, of the tour. And Put Your Whiskey Where Your Mouth Is was just kind of one that felt fun. And when I had gone back to it during Christmas holiday, I'm like, man, we still have this song. This one slapped like by itself without a project, just a song with my voice on it that I wanted to do that I still love, you know, um, to just put out is is really cool. And, and I, it felt like we had it all mixed and mastered by myself with nobody on it. And I said, you know, what? I think we need some features on it to really make it feel like a house party. Cause it feels like something people would yell in a kitchen at a college house party or something like that. And felt like I know some guys, my boys down here, you know, PJ North and Cody parks also doing some alternative country things as well. Um, you know, Cody with, with his country metal, which he crushes by the way. Um, I'm like, dude, this would be awesome to have a, a song with three of us on it. And you got to pretty, we got to perform it live before it came out, just before we left on tour. And uh, and it, it's just a fun song. It's just like nothing. Literally, it's about drinking and with your buddies and having a good time. And there's there's no deeper meaning to me than that other than fun song to play live. It, it's got a cool little thing to it. And the mess that, you know, you can play it on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever night you drink with your buddies and, you know, have some fun. Or, or you know, while we're drinking right now. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, no. You, you, like you said, you, you've been on tour. You've, you've, you've been playing a lot of different places. I think you got to travel to the UK, other countries. What's that been like? Because I mean, that's got to be pretty cool to be sharing your sound all over the world. It's insane, and the reception we've been getting is is super cool. I mean, we went on Canadian country doesn't have many guys that are you know as heavy or as rock and roll, and I think being you know, having been on a tour with Dallas Smith being the headliner uh, from default makes a lot of sense. Um, but everybody else on that bill is not, you know, in the doing any kind of country rock. There's a lot of different sounds and vibes to what they're doing. And, and it's great. And I honestly think for the bill itself, it keeps the whole night interesting. Um, but I wasn't sure how it'd be received. I'm not up in Canada very much. I know a lot of them had already toured together and stuff. So the reception to me and them being like, you're our rock guy. You're the punk guy. This is awesome. Go out. Go give them hell for 15 minutes. Let set it up for everybody. Go do your thing. And that's always been cool. You know, I wasn't sure if they'd be like, you know, can we don't scare the audience? Can we tone that whole thing down? And they didn't. Nobody, nobody one time told me that, which is super cool. And we got a lot of awesome compliments from Dallas's band. You know, like you're setting up the energy it's all our job to not let that energy drop and i'm like that's the biggest compliment i can receive as as the, as one of five acts in the night and so it, it's been cool and to be able to do 
the UK as well has been something we've been talking about since I moved to Nashville. Um, you know, naturally being from Canada, coming to Nashville and working with people, they go, do you plan on a Canadian career? Or do you plan on, you know, just doing a here stuff in the US? And, you know, there's going to be opportunities in Canada. What do we say? Do we say no to that? Or what's the deal? And I always said I wanted to be global. I always said I wanted to play wherever people want me to play. I'm going to go play. Um, I didn't want to get stuck, you know, being just this Canadian artist or, or, or being just this Canadian in Nashville doing just the, the U.S. stuff. I wanted to be able, I want to have the opportunities to go over to the U.K. And, and hopefully one day go to Australia and do all those things. So it seemed like opportunity was coming, you know, in 2019, early 2020 until COVID. And obviously that took two years away from us getting getting over there. But um, when London meets Nashville came calling, I said, for sure we're going to go out there and do that and, and kind of just and everybody sees country music differently up in canada here down in the states or over in the uk but ultimately the whole though a lot of the ideas and 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 ways of seeing country music is different in a lot of places the camaraderie and the, the core of people who go to country shows remains the same um all across and i think that's super cool I was going to say, I don't know which show it was. I saw the video where you probably had maybe your smallest fan ever show up and want to want a picture with you. How cool cool was that? And just to see that your music transcends almost all ages. That's always cool, man. I mean, when people, anybody comes up to us and, and wants a picture, an autograph, it, it's always it's always a yes because they don't have to. You know what I mean? They don't they don't have to do that. They can listen to music on their iPod. They don't have to come to shows. They don't have to come say hello. They don't have to do any of that. And so anytime you get anybody who wants a picture, it will always be a yes, because at the end of the day, we don't get to do what we do if nobody's listening to the music. So um, and then especially when they're a tiny little kid and who's shy but wants a fist bump and, you know, I put my fist out and they see the tattoos and they're not really sure. I mean, it's always it's such a cool moment. And it's, you know, you, you don't get to live that every day. So when that does happen, it is always so special. Well, and, and like we've we've been talking as we're getting close to wrapping up, mannybluemusic.com, social media at Manny Blue Music. I like all the someone on the marketing team was working hard to get all those to be this <laughs> the same. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, like I said, you got um, put your put put your whiskey where your mouth is. I apparently put too much whiskey to my mouth so far today. Um, you you've you've had a couple songs released. You've talked about you know maybe doing another EP full-length album though maybe or is it just maybe going to be another ep kind of keep going down that that route i love eps uh but we are we are gearing towards a full length um we are working on six sets of songs with two different producers that have played in or still play in some pretty big uh rock bands which is awesome um and so just guys that are in nashville that are not in the music in the country space um who understand exactly what it is I want to do. Um, so the awesome thing right now is we get to, so there might be an EP before full length or we might merge the two or the beauty is we don't have a plan right now. And, and I've never worked that way. We always wanted to put something out by a certain date and kind of, I wouldn't say rushed it, but I mean, we said, okay, cool. If we really want to take our time on it, we start now and we go until then by this date so we can get it out in time. Right now, I think it's, it's been so cool to be able to take a step back and reevaluate. Well, not, I mean, it's not going to change. It's going to get better. But how do you make it better? I mean, I think 
you know, the success of Rusty Things has been really cool and it's been very interesting. And, um, and I think just the reaction on the country punky P has been great. And obviously you don't want to repeat yourself. You want to make everything better. So it's just a matter of leveling up to a certain way, being a little bit more creative being you know, and, and, and doing that. So we don't have any date for anything. I mean, I, I would love to put something out before the end of the year, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And I certainly don't want to rush anything. So, um, I guess it's sort of going to be what it is. And there is, we're definitely working on new music, whether it be an EP before uh, full length or, or if the next thing is we gearing towards a full length. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're still working and working towards a full length, you know, to make my answer a little shorter or more concise, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll get the answer out of you. We'll just keep making you drink. No, I'm just kidding. I, yeah. I, we, we won't, we won't do that. Well, I was going to say though, like I, I was thinking of, of another question. I mean, when you see, like, I feel like your style of music is being more, more and more mainstream. I think, you know, like a guy like Jelly Roll being on country music these days, and being a big hit when I, you know, you never would have thought about that maybe a year ago. I mean, do you kind of like, I mean, in a sense, you've been doing this long enough. Are you almost hitting it kind of at a right time as well? I think so. I mean, I think, I think it's all of it. I think it's, you know, I, I don't think anybody had said country punk. So people start to, you know, I, Sam T put an article out saying that we were, you know, pioneering this. And I don't know if that's necessarily, um, um, true because I get to do it because other people get to do it but everyone's just been putting which is also cool too I, I you know it's not a, a dig at nobody is they just been putting out music and you know they've had success before and so it kind of is we're gonna do this thing now that's just a little heavier a little you know more rock and roll and people go that's that's great oh my god you know they're so rock and roll this is cool you know and I'm I just don't I don't know if it's, I just like to be super bold and upfront and, and just be like, well, what we're doing is country punk. Now it's a little bit of country. It's a little bit of pop punk. It's a little bit of rock and roll and it is what it is. So, I mean, I think honestly, it just takes something for people to realize that it's not as scary as it is, right? It's not, everybody loves pop punk. Pop punk's not intimidating. It's not scary. Um, so people look at country punk and go, this is not really for me. This is a little heavier than what I like, but it's like, if you really listen to it, a lot of the, um, mainstream rock guys are, are heavier than what we're doing. And so I think it just takes a second and, you know, we've been, I've been talking about it for over a year and only, you know, kind of now I feel like it's starting to get some kind of recognition as far as it being a cool thing. Um, so yeah, you look at stories like guys at Jelly Roll, man, Jelly Roll, I've been, watching this dude for a minute and just to see him play the Opry and everything. And this big dude who's got face tats and really imposing character starts to cry when he gets to play the Opry dude. You can't, you can't help but cheer for that guy because I mean, that's everybody's dream. And even him, he's from Tennessee and he, you know, that he gets to do that is, is so cool. And I don't, I don't really care what he's doing. You know, I don't care what genre he's doing. If he gets to play the Opry, that's awesome. And to see a guy like that, get that opportunity it legitimately opens the doors for all of us behind to do that so yeah i'd love to wear a studded jacket at the opry one day and you know yell into a microphone and then play like like a acoustic song you know just do both and and, and that's you know versatility i think is cool and it's a skill in my opinion and so um where once people were like do you, do you really know what you're doing do you know what you want to do because everything sounds different it's like if you really pay attention it's not different 
and you know, I'm just able to be versatile in what it is I want to do. Um, and so I think that's great. And a guy like a guy like Jelly Roll, who put out a rock album, who you know was a rapper beforehand or still is, whatever he wants to do, and then gets to play the Opry and be playing on country on country radio, dude. It's like, why not? You know what I mean? I was going to say the the doors are are wide open now. They're not just cracked where you got to kind of almost kick them down. And like I said, you can find Manny Blue at MannyBlueMusic.com, social media at MannyBlueMusic. And my last question for you as we finish off our drinks, actually I might have two, is anything else folks can expect from you the rest of the year? Um, You know, just socials, just more TikToks and, and more things. I mean, we decided – we got one more show here in Nashville before the end of the year. And then that's pretty much it. I, I get married in October and go on my honeymoon. So October is pretty much, uh, not and void. Um, in that when well, I was, your, your wife's not going to let you go work right after getting married. <laughs> dude, if I had to, she would, she's the best, you know, she's the fucking best, but we decided that I think it'd be better just for all of our scheduling to just decide that October, there is no work which allows us to do our honeymoon way and then we can get back in studio in november december and, and finish off whatever we have left so um it's gonna be a lot of um instagram pictures of us in studio and uh maybe a little snip snippets of things i've been i've been teasing some we got a song called hollywood sign that i haven't we haven't really finished yet that i've been playing acoustically um throughout and i have it's up it's up if you're willing to find it it is somewhere on my instagram <laughs> there's a video um on a uh what they call it carousel that has me playing parts of of hollywood sign so um we played it out in the uk on a, on an interview performance thing and um so that's a sneak peek that's probably the most acoustic song that we, we've got working that we're working with but um I'm just I'm just pumped about it, so I'd be willing to put out some sneak peeks, but nothing, nothing too crazy from now to the end of the year. Well, I gotta say, happy wife, happy life. That's the best advice I can ever give to anyone. And then my my actual last question is: Did you like the Chattanooga whiskey? I did. I had it the other day, and that's why I pulled it. <laughs> I, thought it I thought it worked. It's it's a little heavier than most, and and that's cool. I like that. Um, being in Nashville, and that you. Uh, you called it whiskey week or something like that. So, I mean, I yeah. think we're, I think we're right in the mix. It's right on brand for what we're doing here tonight. So it's, it, it's great. Well, I, I would cheers you, but I'm pretty sure you, you finished your drink. So <laughs> I appreciate this, Manny. It's been a blast and, and thanks for sharing a drink and, 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 you know, chatting with me. Yes, sir, man. Thanks for having me anytime.